0: How different are men and women, really? It seems as though our culture is becoming more and more divided on this fundamental issue. On the one hand, we have conservative evangelical Christianity that emphasizes the God-ordained and designed differences between men and women. This idea has been coined as complementarianism by a pastor named John Piper and a theologian named Wayne Grudem. Here are the definitions given in their book, Recovering Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. At the heart of mature masculinity is a sense of benevolent responsibility to lead, provide for, and protect women in ways appropriate to a man's differing relationships. At the heart of mature femininity is a freeing disposition to affirm, receive, and nurture strength and leadership from worthy men in ways appropriate to a woman's differing relationships. They go on to paint a picture of the gender roles. Though different, working together in perfect complementarity, an important note to make on these definitions is that they are created and instituted by God and not a simple cultural institution. On the other hand, we have a much different idea concerning gender roles. Christian egalitarianism is the alternative view on gender roles. Here is a good working definition. Christian egalitarianism holds that all people are equal before God and in Christ, have equal responsibility to use their gifts and obey their calling to the glory of God, and are called to roles and ministries without regard to class, gender, or race. As you can see, each view seems to adopt opposite ends of the spectrum. Conservative Christianity would see men and women as different pieces of the puzzle, different but equal, whereas Christian egalitarianism would see less difference and more equality in traits. Bridget Schulte comments, so the message of my book isn't that we should have equality because science says it's possible. There's no reason we can't have equality if we want it. We are adaptable and plastic as human species. We can have society any way that we want it. So which is the biblical perspective? Which works best in society and culture? Which view seems to be the most consistent? Are men and women different, or are they essentially the same? Is there a middle ground? We discuss this now on The Exchange. I'm Alex Turkmani, and this is The Exchange Podcast.
1: Whew, I'm a little nervous. This is going to be intense. (laughs) For, For example, responsibility to lead. I don't think that that's distinctly something that only a man would be successful or naturally gifted at. I think that in some family structures women are actually the better leader um and not because the man is being lazy but because she's actually better at that. It, yeah, and and vice versa, in some families men are more nurturing.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that they're not as concerned with how people are naturally gifted as they're concerned with how God would desire them to act.
1: Well, I want to be careful of saying of how they should interact. I, I think that that's going to be where, where, where it gets really dicey for us. Because I don't know that there is a should or shouldn't for responsibilities in a relationship. I think what the definitions are getting at is that the
0: natural category for men is to act.
1: And the natural category for women is to respond. Let's start at the beginning here. But are there differences between men and women? Culturally speaking, it depends. Traditional culture, as far as American culture is concerned. A man goes out and works, and the wife stays home and takes care of the home by cleaning the home. Then the man comes home and rests from his work while the woman accommodates him. Um, Then they have children, and she rears them and raises them. While the man is semi-involved, obviously I'm talking about a very old family culture that's not very popular now in the oh, states. I would say that's
0: not the biblical model.
1: Oh, I'm not. I haven't even gotten there yet. I'm just giving. I'm giving an example of our culture where that's the way it is. And um, there's actually a book called. It's called Mona Lisa Smile, and it's an art teacher. She's very. She's super liberal, and her students are all kind of like inspired by her. And she has one student. Who gets married and quits school to stay home with her husband. There's this part at the end where the teacher says, why why in the world would you pick this? You were one of my brightest students. You could have been just like one of these other four women who are getting their doctorate degree and they're doing these amazing things in the art world. The student replies to her, I'm happy just because I believe in the equality of men and women does not mean that I have to play a role that you see is, is happiness for women. It's really their choice. It's really up to them. This is what I want out of life. I want a family, or I want a career, or I want to stay at home, or I don't want to stay at home. That's okay. Um, and now, because culture is kind of taking their hands off of that, we're all trying to figure out, well, how is this gonna work? I agree in part. I know I said a lot. There's a lot to
0: answer to I think those expectations are fine, and I think they go, it's a two-way street. Women lay expectations on men of protection, of providing are ultimately laid by God. How so? Yeah, so I think when you see uh especially the garden account, Genesis 1, yeah, you see Adam created to uh, represent God, keep and protect the garden, and then he's and then he's given Eve, and Eve is is called to help Adam. You know, I think those are and those are pre-fall that Adam is called to move out and to take initiative and to look for problems and fix problems and Eve is created into a responsive role that, that by the way, mirrors the Trinity, Christ being responsive to God the Father, and the Spirit being responsive to Christ and to God the Father.
2: Genesis 1 and 2 lay out the relationship between men and women. Uh, in Genesis 1, it seems that uh, the man and the woman are both made in the image of God, and they're both told to have dominion to expand the borders of the garden around yeah, the earth. Yeah, that's the point the, I was the... going
1: to bring up about the image of God.
2: Right. So, the, so it seems like the picture in Genesis 1 is that they're they're both working. They're both getting their hands dirty. They're both the ones digging and um, cultivating the earth. Based on how I read Genesis 1, I'm not expecting Adam to be out working the ground and eve home making lemonade from the the lemonade tree and he which
1: by the way must have been the best lemonade oh yeah the best darn lemonade that's ever existed
2: so and then you know adam comes home is sweaty and he drinks the lemonade no i think that the picture is that they're both equally working because i would say that i'm a complementarian but at the same time i would say that there are a lot of people who call themselves complementarian who say things that make me uncomfortable we understand what true masculinity is by looking at god who protects, provides, nurtures, creates, and, and he's given masculine pronouns for a reason because true masculinity lies in the identity of God and not... I think it's a leap. You know, this is the Trinity,
1: so this, is, this explains uh cultural hierarchy of men over women. I, I, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says, look at the Trinity and do such. Um, look at the Trinity and act accordingly. Paul does say that. Where does
2: Paul say man that? is the head of women, just as God is the head of Christ? So the idea would be that they're ontologically equal, but they're functionally different.
1: Here's what somebody would say in turn. Actually, a really good friend of ours, and I think I'm I'm with her on this one. She said, okay, I don't believe everything that Paul says. And I was like, what? Paul himself says, I say this as Paul. And I'm like, well, don't you think he was talking about that text in particular? And she says... That kind of opened up the floodgate for me to be like, well, now I have to discern what Paul says that's Paul and what Paul says that's scripture.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you create a bigger hermeneutical problem when you begin picking and choosing which of Paul's things you're okay, like, applying. Is there anything that Paul says authoritative as an apostle of Christ? I would say yes. Is everything that he says authoritative as an apostle of Christ? I would say no. How would you
1: differentiate those two things? This is a big topic. Are you ready? (laughs) ready? (laughs) The the culturally restricted texts. So, for example, women wearing head coverings in church.
0: Okay.
1: A lot of, actually, I can't think of a single complementarian that I know who would read that text and say women should wear, that means women should wear head coverings in church because Paul said that. They always bring up the cultural aspect.
2: No, but I would say that uh, women and men should act and dress distinctively in church because of that text. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I think that's ridiculous. What
0: is culturally bound by saying husbands love your wives as as Christ loves the church. Just as God is the head of Christ, so man is the head of the woman. How is that culturally bound?
1: Marriage the way that we understand it today is completely different in the Bible. And that depending on where in the biblical narrative or in the, the history of the Jews you would land, it's going to look very different from how we understand it today. It's different in its practical, minor practical outworkings, but the fundamental truths are still the same. Sure, but you can't overlook. So for example, at the time, uh, women were essentially the property of their husband so much as a house servant would be the property of the house owner but we wouldn't argue that that god instituted that you can't find that
0: in genesis
1: sure no we can't there's a lot we can't find in genesis and that was my earlier point um but if we are talking about the new testament and paul laying out the structures of marriage uh i would i would say that his culture Condition a lot of things that he says, especially when he's talking about marriage and relationships. I
2: would say the way that Paul treats women in his letters uh, is hot, is with higher regard than the culture, not equal regard to the culture. So, for instance, there are specific times that he addresses women in his letters that would have been uncommon in that culture. Um, so he's actually breaking cultural norms in order to do that, but he's replacing them with biblical norms. And so I don't think that Paul is a slave of his culture when he's writing.
1: Sure, I, I wasn't saying that he's a slave. I'm saying it's it's he's conditioned to it that you have to work around it. So for example, slaves, submit yourselves to your masters. It wasn't necessarily, and people say, well, he wasn't condoning slavery. He was just saying that if you're serving someone, you should serve them as unto God and not as unto that person. Yeah, you can make that distinction and I see where you're coming from. But at the same time, if slavery is wrong, slavery is always wrong. We talked about that in a different episode where morality is objective and it doesn't change because of culture. So for Paul to not have said something is no different than for someone in the 1940s to not have said something. It was just as morally devoid. Well, he
0: said, if you can free yourself, avail yourself of it. Um, but I I, I want to press this. I still think you're taking a practical example and applying it to the whole thing. To the whole Bible, you no, mean? No, 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 no. to, to the situation. There's okay. fundamental truth that's being taught. You're saying, since we're not doing the practical application of the fundamental truth that the fundamental truth therefore is cultural i would i would actually agree with that that's what i'm doing but but that's not consistent okay Okay. because 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 the truth is not culturally bound as in it made sense in the jewish time and it also made sense
2: thousands of years later for paul there's truth that exists outside of culture, and culture applies truth differently. I, different I believe time. that. I just don't
1: know that, that that I know that I think that that's the truth that exists there. If that truth
0: was relevant for Paul, from when God said it in Genesis, however many thousands of years you want to say that that is, we've been we're closer to Paul than he was to Moses. If it was still relevant for Paul in his time, that truth, you can't claim
1: cultural difference. Our culture is closer to Paul's than Paul's was to Moses. That's like saying we're closer to Mexico than we are to France, so we should teach Spanish instead of French. No, no, no. What I'm, What I'm saying, I think you're my point. That, what, that culture still changes. It doesn't matter how I know, far away but, you are from the culture. but it changed more
0: from Moses to Paul, and Paul still takes the fundamental truth and applies it to the people listening. That men and women are different.
1: That their roles are different? I would say no. Paul says they are. Okay. Because Moses <laughs> said they were.
0: No, no, but you see my point? I'm making a big point here.
1: I see your, I see your point. It doesn't
0: make sense to me. Did Moses teach that men and women are different functionally and biologically? Yeah. Okay. Did Paul teach that men and women are different functionally and biologically? In a little bit of a more compassionate way, yes. Okay. So should we teach that men and women are different functionally and biologically?
1: I feel like you're locking me into a a corner here. What Moses taught about men and women is different than what Paul taught about men and women. Not fundamentally. Really?
0: Really. Okay. Well, Because Paul's quoting Moses. I'm okay. I'm talking
1: pre-fall, God creating Adam first, and then... Okay, you're talking about Genesis 1? But just because just you give birth to twins and one of them comes out first doesn't mean you love... Or that one is different from the other as far as a hierarchy or... Like the argument to say
2: that, well, God created Adam first, so he's i I'm not first. just talking
1: about order, though. Okay.
0: That's okay.
2: one thing, but it's also... Well, I think that's the thing that Paul points to. The, the thing that Paul points to is that Adam was made first and then Eve. He does say that. But yeah. I'm, I'm talking, if you're just looking at Genesis,
0: there's more than just that evidence to tell us that they're different and that man is called to lead yes. and, 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 and assume responsibility and women are called to uh,
1: respond. Men are called to lead and assume responsibility. I think women are called to lead and assume responsibility. Uh, Proverbs 31 is probably one of the weirdest. It doesn't fit. It does not fit in the Old Testament, in my opinion. Um, Proverbs 31 talks about a woman who works and has a business and makes a profit from that business to serve her family. Just as much as a man is expected to do so in the Pauline literature. As
2: long as it, she's making jewelry or has an Etsy shop, then it's okay. But you know, I would like to advocate that's that that's ridiculous. I, would, I do not agree with that. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. In all respect, I think it's because you have a narrow
0: view of what it means. Or I think you need to interpret Proverbs 31 in light of Genesis 1. So I think you need to say what Genesis 1 says, in that women are were created second, not in a value way. I'm really not saying that. That's how. That's
1: honestly. That's honestly what I'm hearing. But though. you're
0: not listening to what I'm saying. That women were created
2: second, to respond to and to help. That's what. The, that's what it says, right? So here, I've got a. I've got a question, Daniel. Why is it that you think that the function that Alex is describing is not as important or less valuable? I just think that to expect that of someone is is reaching, and
1: that you're you're almost like taking the text and saying like oh that's the way they did it that's the way we need to do it well why
2: is that wrong is my I didn't question. say it was wrong
1: okay I don't think it's wrong I why just think I, think I just think funny. that to I think that to say that hey Eve was created second to help Adam so you're here to help I think that's wrong I think that that's something they have to discern for themselves just as men should.
2: 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 15. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing, if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. 1 Corinthians 11, 3.
0: But I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man,
1: and the head of Christ is God. I was trying to be careful, but maybe I shouldn't be. There might not be space in the New Testament to to adapt. And I know that the rebuttal would be, well, the New Testament doesn't need to adapt itself because the truths are, are timeless, is, is what I'm, if that's what I'm hearing. Um, but it seems to me a lot more like it's talking about the culture of its time and how it functioned and how it worked best. It doesn't. It doesn't seem to address the function of our time. On honestly, and and so to me, that's where I question it. Where I'm like, I just
2: don't. I, I don't see that as relevant. I don't see that as as a transcendent truth. Yeah. Here, so here's my question: Would you, do you think can all three of us agree the definition of complementarianism that Alex gave at the beginning? is what the New Testament says. I would say that that's what's, that's what um, a complementarian believes the New Testament says. Okay. So the text that we read, would you say this what the would you say that they're in line with the definition that Alex gave earlier of complementarianism or no? Cuz I mean, there's a different conversation yeah. to say does the yeah. Bible teach this or should we change it? Yeah, you can't deny that. It's it's crystal clear. That's not what I've been fighting. So we're not having a debate on what the text says. No, looks, we're having right? a debate on how this, these texts can apply in our culture. And here's,
0: my pre, and here's my previous point, which I really want to bring home. Is this, is Paul consistent with Moses? Genesis 1. I think, Gen, I think Moses wrote all of Genesis. Is Paul consistent with, I know this is an argument from silence, but why wouldn't Paul say, guys, our culture has changed, so then why is Paul still bound to Moses, even though culturally they're different?
1: Well, because in his culture, that's the way that, that they understood relationships. It has nothing to do with, I mean, it had something to do with Moses because he was referring to that. But even people who weren't Christians understood male and female roles that way. So you don't think That was a worldwide thing that, had no, that really... So you don't,
0: So you don't think that these texts were controversial at all when Paul wrote them? That, that the culture didn't kick against no, them. No,
2: I don't think they were. Then why did Paul have to write them? That's a great question. That's a fantastic. Dude, that's a really good in, question. That, roll credits. Roll credits. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. He had
0: to write them because it they they was
1: against the culture. Okay. Really? Like drinking wine for the stomach. I'm sure that must have been a very revolutionary uh, For Timothy, revolutionary yeah. no, for Timothy it was.
2: Timothy, no, Timothy was there
1: abstaining.
0: Was, there was an ascetic. Philosophy flowing around that Timothy yes. could possibly have been subscribing to that Paul was criticizing him on.
1: Man, you guys seem to have a uh, a bluff card for every question. I, I would I, I would refer those as answers. Okay. <laughs> I just. And again, this leads this this leads to why I'm really confused about the Bible and why I don't feel that I can like I'm having a really hard time accepting all of it. I've seen families including my own, whether mom stays at home, mom takes care of the kids, she may work part time, she may not, and she's very happy, and it works for them. I have seen families where mom doesn't stay at home, mom works a full time job, they raise the kids together, they take turns, somehow they make it work even though it's really hard and a lot of crap happens, just like in the other family, and same results. I've seen, well, recently in one family where mom works full time, makes a good living because she's amazing at what she does. Dad stays at home, homeschools the kid, makes dinner, cleans the house, and it works really well for them. So would you be saying that they're going against, that's where I'm like, okay, Scripture doesn't account for those situations scripture could not like did Paul was not thinking in a culture where that was so when you say why did Paul write it then if it was normal
2: here's where I think me and I'm not sure. here's where I think me and Alex might differ a little bit in application for complementarianism i would say that the the heart of complementarianism is that the man leads and he provides direction and the woman follows and helps so a great way for a man to lead might be oh my wife can work at a job she loves and she makes three times what I would make <laughs> if I was working at a job. The way that I'm going to choose to provide for and lead my family is to say, yeah, yeah, right, right so, now I think So the woman's doing that
1: as out of subjection to the not man. Not subjection, so,
2: but submission and helping. I feel like you're just flipping No, I'm the not. Again. No, no, no. So what I'm saying is that at the end of the day, he is the one who chooses how the family is going to run. And she, he, he draws the lines and she fills them in with color is is how it works so i don't think that that necessarily means that the woman has to stay home and watch the kids while the man's at work and in a lot of situations that would be worse for the family i'd make provision for that but i would say that the majority
1: of the time it works in the traditional way i i don't know i feel like this is a very like stuck in the old ways conversation what i'm hearing is lest the man say so you cannot do it. That's what I'm hearing, that women need permission to do things. And that doesn't make sense to me. And also the assumption that in situations, men are the ones who understand things better and can make better decisions. I don't see that. It
2: has nothing to do with the with intellect. It has nothing to do with ontology. It has ontological value. It has nothing to do with the ability to understand. So Paul is writing first Timothy, and one of the reasons he writing first Timothy is to address false teachers who are women. And the way that he does that is uh, not by saying women are less valuable, women are less smart, women can't understand God as well as men, women are less able to make these kinds of decisions. He addresses it by saying that men have, and women have different functions in the church. So no one's saying that women are less capable or less able. And in fact, in a lot of cases, there are women, there are a lot of women who are better than a lot of men at teaching and preaching. Paul would just simply say, and I think God would simply say that that's not their function in the church.
1: Okay, if you're, if you're stripping that of value. Stripping what, then stripping then what a reason? value? So if you're saying this has nothing to do with the value of a person, has yeah. nothing to do with their intellect, then the reason is a mystery. You're just saying, well, God organized it to work best that way, so it is so. Like what? Like what is the reason? That's what I not. That's what I'm not understanding. If it's not, if it has nothing to do with value, intellect, basically hierarchy, then what does it have to do with? Besides the fact, well, God said it,
2: so I believe it, and that's good enough for me. Well, that's part of it. <laughs> I still think that we're mixing up categories and, and thinking that leading a family is more valuable than helping the one who leads the family. To say that
1: men are the ones who make that choice is ridiculous to me. I think men and women, if they're in a relationship, should work together to figure out who is better at what and condition their relationship in that way. And if the man is better at leadership, then he should take the leadership role. If the woman is better at leadership, then she should take the leadership role. I think that you can leverage what you're good at instead of saying, if the man says I have permission, then I'll go work if the man says I have permission then I'll take this thing. I think that that's a consensus by the by the pure by the pure from what how I understand it by the fact that they both have just as much value as people.
2: So I think so two I have two thoughts in response to that. The first is that a, a wise and humble man will happily and willingly recognize if his wife is a better leader than him and try to understand her perspective and he'll go with her her thoughts. Ninety-five percent of the time, but the point is that at the end of the day, he's the one who makes the final yes or no decision. That's where we that's have where the the, t- con- the tension, right? Exactly, and, I th- and okay. so I think that the the different dynamics and skill can function well within a complementary complementary rela- as long as, as, long as man. the man gets permission. As long, uh, but uh, but at the end of the day, the man is the one who makes the final decision. So that's my first thought. My second thought is that it doesn't. I I still don't understand why you think that leadership has more value. Because I'm not the one saying that. You're the one I'm saying not, that. I'm not saying so, that. Who, so, you, you, so
1: you're asking... No, I'm saying the problem is that the man has to give permission for a woman to lead. Why I'm not that say saying that? that it's more valuable to lead or not is to it, lead. Is it just as offensive that Christ
0: follows God, the Father, in the same way that...
1: Wives follow their husbands. Is that offensive? I think that's a completely different question, than-
2: No, I think it's the same question because that's the example that Paul uses. So whatever is true, and I think maybe this is helpful in connecting us where there's a misunderstanding. Whatever is true of the relationship between God the Father and God the Son in when the Trinity is acting on redemption. whatever is true of that relationship is true and uh, creation, yeah, yeah, in God's interaction with, so I'm trying to distinguish between, an economic and ontological trinity here. So I'm trying to say that in God's interaction with his creation, the son submits to the father and whatever is true of that submission and authority is also true in the complementary relationship between a man and a woman. So if there's a misunderstanding, let's, Alex's point is good. Let's go back to that relationship between the father and the son and, and ask that. What do you think?
1: Uh, again, I would like to say that I think Paul's saying that is still culturally conditioned, and I think that at the end of the day we're not going to agree on that being a prescriptive text. And that's, that's where the tension is coming from. I don't think that leadership is more important than following. Um, I think that that saying that the man is the decision-maker at the end of the day, that assumes. That there, Even though you say that it doesn't, I think that assumes that there is more value in one thing than the other. That's what I, that's what I don't understand about complementarianism. It, it leaves, by saying that, no, it has nothing to do with value. It leaves the, the, motive, the reason in mystery or in faith. But you do see how Paul
0: compares his teachings on men and women as husband and wife. As a metaphor for the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. And he says that God the Son submits to the Father. And you would not say, and Paul would not say, that because God the Son submits to the Father, that he's less valuable than the Father. Or less
1: capable. No, I would not say that. So then why do you say that on the other side? Uh, Because then to say that, therefore, men and women should
2: act thus... Doesn't
1: correlate, but Paul correlates.
2: Them. Yeah, I know Paul correlates them. So, so God the Son died, Jesus of Nazareth died, because God the Father planned it. So, if God the Father had said, "No, this not how we're going to do it," Jesus could not have done it. God the Son could not have done it. Um, is that wrong?
1: I don't know how to answer that question at this time. Okay, well, I
0: think I think we've kind of defined our views on complementarianism. I think. If, and, if I, and, if I, and if I may, um, I think we all agree that the New Testament seems to teach that. But the question then is, is that applicable to us today? Or is another view going to be more applicable to our culture today? And we can discuss that on the next episode.
2: Thank you for listening to our conversation on The Exchange Podcast. We work hard to make each one of these episodes engaging and thought-provoking. And now it's your turn. Do you have any thoughts about today's episode? We'd love for you to join The Exchange Online by following us on Facebook and Twitter. Links are in the show description. And while you're at it, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. One more thing we received all of our music for Season 2 from Hooksounds.com. There are some great tracks and artists available on that site. If you're looking for music for an upcoming project, we highly recommend you go with them. Thanks again for listening, and from all of us here at The Exchange Podcast, I'd like to wish you a good night, and good luck.